it was terrible. I was, they're so bad. People tell you, they say, you know, you got to stretch when you get older and you get lactic acid and all that kind of stuff. And I never heard that when I was a child. We just kind of did things. It was like concussions. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but how many concussions do you have that are probably not really, you know, I'm just saying it happened. Anyway, well, I'm really excited today um, to get to come and talk to you guys and, and, and talk from the Word of God. And um, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 today. Uh, if, you, if you come to Summit uh, a good bit, you, you should be very familiar with the passage that we're covering today because it's a passage that our, our pastor actually quotes a good bit. Um, and he does it normally as he's praying, and it was something that I was uh, asking God, what do I say? I have an opportunity to speak. You know, not, not, you don't always get an opportunity to speak and, uh, out of God's word to people, so what would you have me say, Lord? And this is, to the best of my understanding, this is what he'd have. And, and it was interesting because I was like, man, that's something that we actually say a good bit, but maybe we've never actually covered. And so I wanted to read through that today. So we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses one through five. It says, and I, this is Paul writing <clears throat> to the church in Corinth, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. So let's pray. Lord, that's, that's what we want. Uh, God, we do not want anything uh, said today, any faith uh, today, resting upon the wisdom of men or anything that I might would say, God, it needs to be upon you and your word. Lord, if it is on something else, it will not stand. And so, God, we pray that you, would, that you would be here today, that you would meet us, Lord, that you would get me out of the way, that you would preach, that you would speak here today, uh, God, that you would be praised and lifted up and elevated and that nothing I would say would be apart from where you would have me to go. And so, God, we just, we give everything to you. We thank you that we get to gather together as believers and, and, and those that are here just seeking the Lord. God, we, we thank you that we have the freedom to do that. And we pray that we would honor you today in this place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, a little bit of Corinthian background. And I feel like this is like really close. I'm going to pull it back here. A little bit of Corinthian background. Um, they were really big on rhetorical persuasion. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't like big words. They scare me. Um, and so rhetorical persuasion. Um, so basically talking good. Um, so uh, that's kind of how it was. And so they, um, they liked it when, when people would, would go in and they would make lofty speeches or they would have this wisdom. And, and they loved persuading people into believing in, in what they were speaking about, you know. Um, we have, I have a friend of mine, Jeremy Knuckles. Some of you may know him. And Jeremy and I would actually used to make contests to see if we could persuade people to do things just to see if we could do it. Um, that may be evil. Maybe I shouldn't have shared that. And so, but um, uh, the biggest victory Jeremy ever had was um, he was able to persuade a woman, a waitress at a Waffle House to give him a Waffle House mug. 
Um, and he, he, that was a trophy to him, man. I mean, he still has that mug. You can probably check his Instagram. It's on there. Um, and so it's, a, it's just one of those things. But uh, it was just crazy. People would go up and just, you know, what do you think you can get? You know, Zach, what do you think, what do you think we can get today, man? You think, we can, you think we could persuade somebody into something like that? It was just interesting. And it was never evil things. It was just like free bacon. You know, just can I get an extra side of something for free? Um, that would be the idea. Um, or something that you, you know, just, I don't know, chocolate milk. Milk. I love chocolate milk. It's one of my favorite things. And so um, it might not be on the menu, but you're like, would it be possible? And I found, honestly, if you really want to know, and I'll, I'll let you into some in, insight into the whole persuasion stuff, you always start by apologizing. Uh, now, you haven't done anything, but you always start by apologizing, right? You always walk up to somebody and you go, I'm sorry. Is there any way that I could get some chocolate milk? And they're, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. You know, like, and it's nice. And you're like, chocolate milk? And so, but anyway, sorry. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that. Don't do that. But if you want free chocolate milk, Zach, there's your way. Um, so, so that's what they liked. The, the church in Corinth liked rhetorical persuasion or lofty speech or wisdom. So here he is, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth and saying, I didn't come with any of that. You know, so if we read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So it's contrary to the cultural palate. It, 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 it's actually, if you, go into the, if you go into the word study there in the Greek, the idea of to know nothing is this idea of he values nothing. Um, he, he values nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is it. And that's all he's coming with. Now, you have to ask the question, of course, are we there today? You know, are, are we who are in Christ there today? You know, obviously you're in an area, you, you showed up to church and that's good. And, but at the same time, do you value Christ supremely above all things? You know, and, and listen, I, I do want to make this a uh, little parenthetical bit here. It's not saying that other things are bad, okay? It's not saying that relationships that you have with your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or your grandparents or whoever, it's not saying those relationships are bad, okay? Jesus had those relationships. He didn't condemn those relationships. But at the same time, it's putting them in their proper place, isn't it? Right? What do I value supremely? Do I value Christ above all things? And Paul is coming not with wise and persuasive words, but he's coming with the understanding of all that he values. And it's so interesting, isn't it? Like you could, you could be somebody, I know sometimes when you share uh, Jesus, sometimes when you're communicating the gospel, we often go, okay, why didn't they come to Christ? You know, a lot of us in here maybe have even heard the gospel many times and you haven't come to Christ yet. And so it's interesting. And I always like to tell my students when I used to teach high school that it's a lot like a blind date, you know, that it's, that it's, you're telling them, you know, like you're trying to like, maybe, maybe hope is, I'm going to pick on hope. Maybe hope is looking for a man. I don't know. And so um, I met her parents yesterday. They're wonderful. Um, we're Facebook friends. And so, um, but it's, it's one of those things to where uh, maybe she's looking for, and I've got this guy over here and I'm like, well, he's tall and he's good looking and he's everything I'm not. And he's those, you know, he's, he's got a lot of money and he's, he's not going to lose his hair and things like that, you know, whatever it is. And, and, uh, and she's like, oh, okay. You know, so she goes out on the date and they go out, but she comes back and she goes, nah, not for me. And I'm like, why? He's so good. I don't understand. And it's the same way with Christ. I can stand up here all day today and tell you how good God is, but unless it actually clicks for you, it, it doesn't mean anything. 
You know, it's just like going out on a blind date where your friend talks somebody up and then you were like, nah, it's not really mine. And so Paul is coming with this idea of this is what you need. This is good. He, he's not trying to be unique uh, to get attention. So he's, he's different from them, but he's not trying to be unique. You know, we've got, I've, I've been in church one time where the pastor was using profane language. Um, and, and people go, what? And he was doing it. Why was he doing it? Shock value, Right. You know, or, or people, maybe they go, man, that guy's real. You know, he uses, he uses words that people use in their daily speech, you know. Paul's not trying to be unique and get attention. He's coming with what he sees as valuable, all right? So let's look over at, at Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, there we go. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. So that is how Paul comes to these people. He counts all things as, as lost, as, as rubbish or filth or whatever you want to say, for the sake of knowing Christ. He doesn't value anything but Christ when he comes to these people, right? And so the question for us just off the top today is, are you there yet? Do you have it to where you go, you know, Nick, I have a lot of good things in my life, but Christ is the top. He's the most valuable to me. And that's a good question. That's something we have to deal with daily because it's going to be, it's not going to be daily. It's going to be second by second. Because there's going to be things that people are going to bring up and go, ooh, look at this. And you're going to have to say, do I value Christ more than this? Maybe even more than my freedom to do this. And so we have to see that there. But, but why does Paul not come in like them? Well, this is the guy who becomes all things to all men so that he might save some, right? So why does he not come in like that? Well, let's think about it. He's promoting, he's proclaiming the gospel. How did Paul encounter the gospel? Do we know? Do we know? Is it in the Bible? Absolutely. It's in Acts. And so we're going to look over there. Flip over to Acts chapter 9. If you can. I mean, it may be on the screen. I don't know. Probably. Look at that. Chapter 9. How about that? That's nice. So Acts chapter 9. 1 through 6. Paul, or, or I'm sorry, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Note that he is quite an enemy of God went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is what Christians were originally called, uh, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And when he said, or, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he, and he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now, did you see, did you catch the, the lofty words and speech there? There wasn't any, right? Did you see Jesus try to persuade him? Jesus showed up to Saul and he was like, look, man, you're persecuting people. Don't do that. They're nice people. You know, that's really messed up. You don't want to be this guy. Don't, hey, you know, let me give you three points as to why the gospel is better for you. You know, no, what does he come? He just shows up. The glory of God shones, 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 shones. The glory of God shines upon him and knocks him off of his horse. You know, some people say donkey. I don't say donkey. And so that sort of thing. And he sees the face of the glory of Jesus Christ in the fullness. And that, he says, who are you, Lord? And we see what happens after that and following, it's explained to him, but, but there's no wisdom there, there's just power, right? 
And we know that Paul, even, he's, he's pretty well trained, isn't he? I mean, dude was, you know, Pharisee training and, you know, combat skills. No. And all these kind of things. And he's, he's ready to go. He's academically prepared. He knows all of the different things. He understands, you know, all of the theophanies and all kinds of stuff, right? He can, he can do all the little, uh, you know, whatever you want to say. He can exegetically break it down, right? He can do all those things. And he sees even in the Old Testament. I mean, you got to think, how much stuff, when he encountered Christ, how much stuff clicked for him, right? Dude been reading Isaiah 53, looking at suffering servant going, I don't know. And then all of a sudden he meets Jesus and goes, so that's what that was. You know, he reads Exodus and he's sitting there looking at Moses, this mediator who comes to take people out of a captivity, uh, out of a land of captivity to a promised land. Interesting. And he's like, that's a cool story about Moses. But then he sees Jesus, who is a mediator who comes to take people out of captivity to sin to a promised land called heaven. And it clicks. And he goes, oh my gosh, do you believe the gospel is actually woven all throughout the Old Testament? And he knows. So Paul, not only does he understand the culture that he's coming into, but he also is academically well enough prepared to where he could actually match these people, probably, and explain it to them. And as a matter of fact, in a couple of places he does. But what does he come to them with? Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is it. And that is more than sufficient, guys. You know? But why is it just Jesus Christ and him crucified alone? And so if you're, if you're taking notes, this is my only point today. Because Jesus Christ and him crucified is the power of God. It is the gospel. And that is all he needs. That is sufficient. You know, there's a lot of times in a believer's life where we go, okay, I'm going to witness to somebody. What do I say? Do I go Campus Crusade style and say four spiritual laws? You know, do I, do I try Ray Comfort and prove that people are evil and then try to show them the gospel? You know, do you lie? Yes. Have you thought badly about people? Yes. Have you stolen anything? Yes. Okay, so you're a murderer and you steal things and, you, and you're a liar. Yes. You need Jesus. You know, absolutely. You know, we could do that, or you could just come with this, real simple. This is who I was, I met Christ, and this is who I am. And that's enough. It doesn't have to be a PowerPoint slide, guys. You know, we talk about making disciples. You don't have to have, you know, curriculum for that. It's okay to have curriculum. You can use curriculum. But, but at the same time, you know, look, look here. Did Jesus pull out his, you know, whatever it was and say, all right, we're in chapter 4 today, guys. No, he didn't do that. He lived as Christ amongst them, and he modeled it, and he taught them. And so, you know, if you want to use stuff to teach people, that's fine. But at the same time, imaging Christ to those you are discipling. This is how a Christian goes to Waffle House. This is how a Christian cheers at a football game. This is how a Christian does these things. You know, and it shows them, it models them. But at the same time, and I was talking to a couple of people yesterday about this, until you actually prove that you love people, you really can't speak into their lives. You know, my high school kids that I taught, they knew I loved them. And so what would they do? They'd allow me to speak a little bit more harsh to them maybe sometimes. You know, they would allow me to speak a little more boldly the truth of the gospel to them because they knew what? They knew that I was lovingly correcting them. Not that I consider myself better than them, but that I consider them worth investing in. I had a kid named Noah, and Noah was crazy, all right? Noah was crazy. Now, I love Noah, but Noah's crazy, okay? 
Noah multiple times did things that should have gotten him arrested in the school. Okay, if he'd been at public school, he would have been arrested. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have seen Noah anymore. He'd been gone. And so, but, but Noah, uh, one day he stole the starter pistol from the track coach and just had it in class. Just had it, you know. Hey, guys, check this out. You know, and you're like, that's not okay. You know, like, we were in class. I remember I walked back to my desk. I turned around, and he has a knife. And he's like, hey, coach. And I'm like, why? Why, why do you have that? You, of all people, why? And he's like, I had some cake earlier, and they were wanting me to cut it. And so uh, Holly, dude in the kitchen, gave me a knife. Well, Holly isn't thinking through some things, is he? And he's like, can I take it back to the kitchen? Please, and don't run through the hall. What's wrong with you? And so Noah is the kind of guy you like having on your team and you hate playing against, you know, because he's crazy, you know? And so you're dribbling. It reminds me of Alec Immenheiser. I don't know where he's at today, but it reminds me of Alec. There he is. And so Alec, we've played basketball, right? And so I dribble the ball and I'm, you know, now I don't know how tall Alec is and I'm not going to say anything about it out. 6'4". In church, Alec. And so, all right. But, so so I'm, I am taller than Alec, fair? Um, and so I'm right here, I'm dribbling the ball. This is how I dribble, don't mock me. And so, um, and Alec's like, you know, and he's, he's slapping things and he's, he's talking junk and I'm like, what is this guy doing? And it scared me. You know, but Alec on my team, I love it. Alec against me, don't like that because uh, he will get that ball. And so, you know, but so Noah's crazy, you know, but Noah would do stuff in practice. And as his coach, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to say, hey, that ain't right. We can, you ran that the wrong way. We need to fix that. We need to clean it up. And I'd fuss at him sometimes and he'd get the pouty face. All right. Ballinger yelled at me. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Teenagers. And so um, they forget it after, what, three, two days, a day, something, an hour. You just say, want to go to pizza something? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'll talk to you. You know, but anyway. And so, but Noah would get all pouty, and he'd go over and get his water, and he'd, you know, he'd throw it, and you know, not even, and I'd say, Noah, and he'd, no, don't talk to me, you know, that sort of thing. And so I, almost every day at practice, I'd sit him down, and I'd say, Noah, why do I yell at you? Because you love me. Right. Now, when I stop yelling at you, what does that tell you? You don't care about me, right? If I'm correcting you, it's because I love you. If I stop correcting you, you can tell I've stopped loving you at that point. You know, when the kid goes up to grab something hot off the stove, if you're like, yeah, go ahead. You know, that's not loving. That's jacked up, okay? That's not cool, man. Don't do that, you know? Loving would be, and that might get you fussed at, but at the same time, you know, it's a lot easier to get slapped than it is to get burned. And so, um, or not easier, but better for you, I suppose. Um, so we see that. But, but I, I want to get back to my point that Jesus Christ and him crucified is the power of God. It is the gospel. I'm not doing anything big today, okay? I'm just explaining these things. If we look over at Romans 1.16, which you probably know, um, but I'm going to read it anyway. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel... Where did Ballinger get this point from? Right here. It is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Greek. So Paul comes with Jesus Christ and him crucified, 
And I've said that that is the power of God in the gospel, which is right here in 116. We know this, okay? So we don't have to come with wise and persuasive words. We don't have to come with a three-point outline. You come with the gospel, and you preach it. Once, once for all delivered to the saints, right? You preach that, and that, you let that have effect. You let the Holy Spirit move through the word of God is how you do that. You don't try to add anything to that. You don't try to make it fancy. You don't try to be, you know, entertaining necessarily. It's okay to have a fun conversation, but at the same time, the point is the gospel. And so we see this idea, and I wanted it noted in, in 116, you know, it talks about, it says, for everyone who believes. Now, like the Greek word there is pos, is how I'm going to pronounce it. You can say whatever you want to. And, and you know, we got a P, we got an A, we got an S, all right? And so, and so that sort of thing. But it, what does it mean? It means all. It means everyone. It means anybody, okay? It, it's for, for all who believe, basically, that's, it's the power to save for anybody. So it doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your academic uh, credentials. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if your parents liked your sister better than you, which is true for some. It doesn't matter, you know, if any of that at all, because what is this applicable to? Everyone. It's applicable to everyone. Anybody. Except for there is a little bit more there, isn't there? What does it say? Everyone what? Who believes. So who is it not applicable to? Those who do not believe. Okay, so that's, that's just the negation of that statement, right? So it's applicable to anybody can do this, but only those who actually believe will be saved. All right? You know, there's, in, in the Christian studies world and whatever, there's this whole debate of Calvinism, Arminianism. Is it free will? Am I making the choice? Is God making the choice? Guys, just read this. Okay, anyone who believes will be saved. Now, if you want to argue the ordo salutis, or if you want to talk about how somebody comes to faith and is it, who's regenerating what, that's fine. But that's not really anything that a non-Christian needs to talk about, or anything that Christians need to spend much time on. Honestly, I would say focus on the gospel. So we need to understand that it is available to anyone who believes. But we see this idea that it has to be, you have to believe. So let's look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith might not rest. What faith? Your faith in the gospel. Your faith in the atoning work of Christ. You know, I had my dad called me yesterday uh, and my grandfather. They both had me on speakerphone. You can imagine what that was like. And so it was, you've got an 80-something-year-old man with an iPhone. Okay? It's dangerous. And so, so he's there and he's, he, said, um, he said, well, we were calling you because tomorrow the church is having Reformation Day. A Reformation celebration. And we don't know what that is, you know. And I said, okay. And they said, we'd like you to explain it. And so I did, you know. But my, my grandfather was like, why are they trying to reform me? And I was like, no, grandpa. 
And so like, that's, that's not what it is. In a way, but not really. You know, it's, it's the Reformation of the Catholic Church. It's a Protestant thing. Martin Luther, you can read about. And so, but, but that, that sort of idea, it was just really funny him calling and asking me about that because it was this idea of, well, what was the real, what's the real, what's the real rub there? You know, Piper talks about this uh, in an easier way. I think he was asked, um, if you had one second with the Pope, what would you say? And he said, my question would be about justification. You know, how are we declared legally righteous before God? Is it through Christ's work or is it through Christ's work and our work? You know, and that would be his question. And that's the, that's the real difference here, isn't it? it? Is Jesus sufficient or do I have to do stuff too? You know? Jesus, if we're, if, we're, if we're Christian, if we're Protestant specifically, we believe Christ is enough. He is sufficient. If we're Christian, Christ is enough. I don't have to do anything to, to get me more merit. I am as well-loved as I could possibly be. All right? I'm not going to be able to preach a sermon and he's going to go, well, that's one extra point for Nick. No. It's not going to happen. He loves me as much as the cross. And he does so for you as well. There's people all the time with issues of self-love, you know, self-worth. I just don't know if I'm worth anything. I don't know if, I, if I'm really loved by anybody. You are loved as much as the cross. You are worth the cross. You know, so anytime you're ever doubting, I just don't know if I have any worth, Jesus thought you were worth his death. He makes you worthy. And so we, we get into this idea about what I put my faith in, I put my faith in his work. I put my faith in what he has done, not what I have done. I'm a screw up, okay? That's the difference between Christianity and everything else. It says work to get God's favor, and God says there's no way you could do that. He's holy. I'll take care of it. And so we have this idea of our faith in what? In the gospel, the sacrificial atoning work of Christ. But we see here it says, so that your faith might not rest, and this is verse 5, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, it shouldn't rest in the wisdom of men. Let's take for a second and say, what is in the wisdom of men? Three things. The wisdom of men says, you can't be reconciled. People that are getting divorced, they can't be, get back together. People that are upset at one another, they won't be friends again. Man, you'll never hear from them again. That's just crazy. It's too far. You're too far gone. The wisdom of men says, you can't get along. Do we even want to talk about race for a second and how that is in our country right now? Well, these people and those people, they just can't get along. It's not possible. Can't be done. Too much history. Can't happen. The other one, what? Wisdom of men said things are impossible. There's no way we could possibly get to God. Sinful person like us, holy person like God, no way we could do that. But what does the power of God say? Romans 5.11, th throw it up there for me if you, if you got it there, Brandon. We don't have it, do we? It's, it's down. All right, I'll read it. Well, Romans 5.11 talks about the idea, I'm going to read it? I'm going to read it. All right. I'm going to read it. We'll just read it. We'll flip it. Is it on? Yes. Thank you for the whistle. Um, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've received reconciliation. Can't be reconciled. Divorce is, is, is going to happen. 
Can't be reconciled to your friends. Y'all are too upset at each other. Can't be reconciled. But the biggest possible gap that needed the most reconciliation has been covered. Okay, the second point was can't get along. Let's look at Galatians 3.28. Do we have, do we have that one? I'm going to go ahead and look it up. Somebody whistle if it pops up. Is it really? Yes. I like that. We got a system. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. Look, if you're an African-American person, if you're a person from any other country besides America, because that's where we're at currently, if you're a person who's Caucasian, it doesn't matter if you're in Christ because we are all one. We are unified in Christ. Guess what? An African-American person is just as much as a sinner as a Caucasian person who's just as much as a sinner as a person from Panama or wherever you want to say, and we all need the grace of Christ. So nobody gets to come and say, I'm better than anybody, and nobody gets to come and say, I don't have it as bad as whatever. You, we all, myself, we all have to have a Savior or we will go to hell. That's just how it is. And that's the biggest problem we have. So you need to get that one right before you talk about anything else first. You know, even, let's say that we, let's say that somehow, you know, may, maybe through the, through the power of God, but, but let's say that somehow everybody was just getting along and everything was good. And, and people weren't wearing bed sheets and all kinds of stuff, right? Was that too far? And so that sort of thing, you know, like that, let's say everybody was happy. You're going to be happy and going to hell. It's not going to matter. Do we value Christ above everything else? You know, if you're a Christian, you do. If you're not, you don't. You know, and so we have to see these things. So, so the power of God shows us this. And then finally, things say that they're impossible, but, but Luke, Luke 137, we get that? Yeah, I see you. And so, for nothing will be impossible with God. So the wisdom of men says, this can't happen, this can't happen, this can't happen. But the power of God says, it has. And we live in that. You can't put your faith in the wisdom of men or men themselves. Why? Because men fail, men are weak, and men die. Ultimately, people are going to fail you at some point, sometime in your life. Probably already has happened. People are going to pass away. That's the natural course of things. And people are weak. They give in to temptation. But Christ is the opposite of those things. If we have Hebrews 13, yeah, yeah. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we have this idea that people might fail you, but God says, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Can't put faith in men because they are weak. But Hebrews 1.3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the words of his power. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Men are weak. We can't put our stuff in them. How many pastors have you seen fail? Stolen money from the church, slept around on their wives, whatever you want to say. They failed in some way to the detriment of the church. But at the same time, our God does not do that. So you need to always place John or whoever is your pastor at the right level. 
You can't begin a thing of pastoral idolatry. It's okay to love your pastor, but to elevate him higher than Christ is sin. He's a man. Elijah was a man. These guys can fail, but Christ never fails. He is always faithful. And we see that men die, but in Exodus chapter 3, you know this passage. I am. My kids would sometimes say, what does that mean? I'd say it means he is. (laughs) He has been, is, and will always be. There has never been a time where God did not exist and exist outside of. So it's a very interesting thing. The band can go ahead and come on back up. We're, We're almost finished. Um, but I just wanted you to see today that all we need is the gospel. It is sufficient. It is the power of God. And the power of God is strong. It is all-powerful. It holds the, world's to, the world together. You know, it, it's everything that, that we're not. Jesus comes as someone who is, who is imitating, who is imitating, who is the complete fullness of God. And he tells us in Ephesians 5.1 to be imitators of that God, right? That he models that for us. And so we as Christians, if you're a Christian today, we are to model that. If you're not a Christian today, I pray that somebody would model that for you, that you would see the gospel, that you would see it today as sufficient to meet your needs, you're sitting there, maybe you're saying, oh, I'm just too far away from the Lord, but we've proven today that no, nothing is too far. Well, what about me? I'm, I'm not even, I don't even know if he'd take me. No, 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 it said everyone who believes. You're, we're, all, we're all everyone, right? That's how it works. And so Christ didn't just die for, for, for Jonathan. He made his death available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And so it's very simple. Today, do you you know Christ? Do you know the the beauty of the gospel? Do you you understand the glory of God? I mean, that is shown upon Paul and 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 shines upon us. That, That it's something that is, I always like to say it's the soul's yes. That that's what we're looking for. I always like to say it's it's the it's the groom standing at the front of the church. And the doors open and the bride is seen. And, and there's some grooms who just start crying. And there's some grooms who just stand there and act like they're not crying. And there's some grooms, those crazy people that run down the aisle, grab her and run back. And I think the third one is really more about how we see when we encounter Christ. This, Augustine says, our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. Right? So that's the idea. When, when we hear the gospel, when the Spirit of God moves through that, because He's the only one who can affect our hearts. Some of us have heard the gospel 80,000 times, and then one day it clicks, and we go, that's it. That, that when we see the beauty of Christ, our soul just goes, yes, that's what I wanted. That's what, it's, that's what I've been looking for. And we run towards that. The beauty and open, open arms of Christ. And so I just want you to, to see that today. I only have two questions. One, do you know the power of God? Is it in your life? And two, is your faith resting and founded upon the gospel of Christ?
Because if it's founded upon men or words or an experience, those things change. It can't be founded upon an emotion, you know? You know, Robert plays over here, which is really cool and all, and that's good. He's doing this to provide you for a time of reflection of what we've just heard from the Word. That's why he's doing this. We don't want to ever at Summit be people who prey upon emotions, okay? Be people who put songs in minor key so we can set you up to have an experience that we want. We want the Spirit of God to move in power and that to be what happens. I used to tell my students, they would come back from a, a summer camp and they'd go, man, I'm just on fire for Jesus. And then like a week and a half later, they'd be like, I haven't even read my Bible. And I would say, okay, well, let's, because I'm, I don't know, I'm a dork. And so I said, well, let's, let's just break it down. And so I'd take a little whiteboard and I'd make a, I'd make a thing and I'd say, all right, so you, you went to the camp, you arrived here, right? And then you had a time of praise and worship. Yes. Okay. And then you had a small group. Yeah. Okay, and then you guys probably stayed up late, maybe ate some s'mores, and then you went to bed, right? And then in the morning, they put time in there for you to have a quiet time, yes. And then you had morning worship, yes. And then you did some kind of fun activity or service or something throughout that day. And then afterwards in the evening, you had another time of worship, followed by a small group, you know, that sort of thing, right? And then the next day, you woke up early, you had your your quiet time, and then you drove back, you went to church with us on Sunday, and then you came home, and you were just on fire for the Lord. Don't know why that happens every year I go to the camp. How much time did you spend with Christ in there? Times of worship, small group times, quiet times. My gosh, you spent about seven hours with Jesus in three days. And you were on fire for the Lord. You came back, real life happened. You spent how much time? And then you just don't feel him anymore. Huh, weird. We have to know the power of God is something that he wants to share. That if you then being evil know how to give good gifts, then how much more so will your heavenly Father give to those who ask? Ask for the presence of God. Ask for the fullness of God in your life, and He will give you more of Himself. But you do have to actually seek Him. You have to actually set aside time with Him. If I wasn't spending time with Brandy, my wife, do you think I'd feel really connected to her? No, not at all. I could say I still love her, sure. And I could say we're still in a relationship, yeah. But I'm not spending any time with her, which means how do we, how are we really connecting right now? No. You know, we connect when we spend a lot of time together. That's how it is. So that's all I got today. I'm going to pray for us. If you want to come down front and pray, there'll be people up here. If you need to pray after the service, there'll be people in the prayer room in the back. If we want to talk to anybody about the gospel, man, there's a lot of people here who'd love to do that for you. I'm, I'm one of them. So let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gospel, the the clear message of love that you gave us on the cross. We thank you for the spirit, Lord, that, that speaks to us, that speaks in our heart, that shows us our needs, that shows us maybe where we've placed stuff that we shouldn't have placed it. God, that you, that you would remove those things that you would take away those hindrances in our lives so that we could see you fully and clearly. God, that we would love you and others the way that you love us. Father, I pray right now for those that are in this room that do not know the gospel of Christ, Lord, that you would be real to them now, that you would show up, that you would meet them here, and that their lives would be changed forever because they've met their Savior. 
God, we give everything to you, all glory to you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.